0: And so my question is, what are you going to do for 35 years? There's only so many golf courses. There's only so many shuffle boards. And there's only so many episodes of Oprah you can deal with. At some point, if you don't have a reason to get out of bed every morning, you stop getting out of bed. And people don't thrive.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Kestra Out Loud, the advisor podcast, where we find the voice of the independent financial advisor. I'm joined today by my wonderful co-host, Maria Bethel.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I love the applause. Studio of fans. No, I'm kidding.
1: We have a very special guest today, Eric Brotman, who is the CEO of BFG Financial Advisors. And, you know, I was doing my research and I'm going to list off. Listen to this alphabet soup here. He is an <laughs> AEP, CPWA, CFP, CHFC, CASL, RICP, of course, and CEO of BFG Financial Advisors. So Mark, um, Eric, thank you so much for for coming in today.
0: I'll I'll answer to anything. Um, I'm currently working on my EIEIO, which is really complicated. But as soon as I get it, I'll let you know.
2: I'm like, there's a lot of C's in there. There There's some C's. You you are well designated. I am certifiable is what it is. Certifiable. I kind of like that one. Yeah, Yeah. No question about
1: it. So Eric actually has his own podcast, yeah. extremely successful, Uh, yeah. Don't Retire, Graduate, and would love to dive into your expertise on the marketing side, mm-hmm. especially your podcast, which uh you started from nothing and has been extremely successful. Yeah. So there's, you know, if you look at financial advisors, the average advisor about 57, 58 years old. And I think a lot of the mindset is that traditional marketing, television, radio, maybe some physical mailers, you know, do send send out a a, a direct mail campaign. But podcasting is really the new modern marketing medium that goes deeper, goes wider, lives forever. I think you were saying before we, we were talking about the show and we really want to dive into kind of how that can add value to an advisor's business. And, um, You know, I think Maria, you wanted to, you had some questions specifically around even other business owners being able to use us, not just financial advisors, but uh, share a little bit about that don't retire, but graduate mindset and how you came up with that.
0: I'm happy to. I think that retirement in its traditional sense, the way we've thought about it for uh, truly centuries is a a fate worse than death. Um, It really is a Mm. retreat. It's a, it's a disappearing act. You know, and in the modern world, you know, you look at somebody's LinkedIn profile, for example, and if it just says retired, no one's going to click and say, Oh, there's somebody I really need to meet and, right. and connect with. Oh my God. So it just makes no sense to have retired. Even if what you're doing is volunteering, you're a volunteer somewhere. You're, you have some purpose. So the retirees who, who we work with, and you know, we work with multi-generational families around the country. The retirees who we work with who are the happiest have a couple of things in common. They have three things in common. One of them is financial, and that is that they're debt free. One of them is medical, and that is they have their health, which arguably without that, it's hard to enjoy much of anything. Right. But the third thing is, and I think maybe, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's equally important is they have purpose. They have a reason to get out of bed every morning. You know, retirement was created at a time where it was putting old people out to pasture. And, you know, the there was a one of the founders, one of the four founders of Johns Hopkins uh, Hospital in the 1800s put out a, a thesis that basically said that your, your useful years are between 20 and 40. You begin to get less useful at 40 and by 60, you're darn near useless. Okay. Thankfully, that's, that's no longer- Yes. no. <laughs> so, that's, so encouraging. So I want to sign up for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. yeah. sign me up. <laughs> so, so today, today retirement is, is based on this concept that there's some moment in time, whether it's government imposed, uh, whether it's employer imposed or industry imposed, or whether it's just this concept that there's a day where you have to stop Stop everything. Stop yeah. working. Why? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing when social security, when we first got started with social security, the idea was that folks were entering the workforce at 18. They were working until 65 and they were dead at 72. I mean, yeah. people really didn't live right. that long. Now folks are 24, 25, 26 when they enter the workforce. Forget the fact that they're a hundred grand in debt from student loans. Yeah.
2: Right. They want
0: to retire when they're 55 and they could live to be 107. Yeah. And so my question is, what are you going to do for 35 years? There's only so many golf courses. There's only so many shuffle boards. And there's only so many episodes of Oprah you can deal with. Right. At some point, you're, if you don't have a reason to get out of bed every morning, you stop getting out of bed and people don't thrive.
1: Yeah, we you see that all the time. I hear so many financial advisor stories about they've been working uh, uh-huh. so hard and they get to that retirement date and they do nothing. And then you see their their emotional health decline, their physical health decline. And, you know, they're sitting in a... In a in a lazy boy uh, watching TV. Yeah,
0: time. and not thriving. So, yeah. you know, right. so we wanted to re, um, revisit the definition of retirement so that instead of a retreat or a surrender, it was a, a graduation yeah. to 2.0 or 3.0 or the next phase of your life. And so to me, retirement is not the absence of work, it's the absence of needing to work. Yeah. So if you hit financial independence to where you get to do anything you want, why would that be the lazy boy chair? Yeah.
1: And, and I love that you've mm. turned this entire concept into a podcast. Yeah, this
2: is what you're talking about on your podcast, right? All of these topics.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So some of them are related to financial independence and there's some quantifiable uh, pieces of that. And some of it's about what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's funny, we stop asking people that at like seven. Like, why, why not ask yeah, you somebody- you haven't
2: decided by now, it's too late. Right, I mean, if you haven't
0: figured, like I have a daughter who's 10 who hasn't yet decided if she's coming into the family business, and I think that's an epic failure. And so <laughs> so to, me, to me, why not ask somebody 57 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. They, they, they freeze. Absolutely. Because if you stop growing, you stop learning, you stop thriving- What's the if point? If you stop
2: growing, you're going I, in the wrong direction.
0: <laughs> in in some opinion, direction, yeah. some I mean, kind of direction. If somebody says, what's your plan for retirement? And you say every day above ground is a good day. I, you, <laughs> I don't think that, I think that's kind of an empty uh, plan.
2: I, I would be inclined to agree with you on that. So you're obviously a business owner. You're doing this podcast. So you are aware of how important communication Is and how important it can be with your clients. Um, On a regular basis, you're communicating with your clients about their major life goals and their challenges, and this can be very emotionally driven conversations. So is that fair to say that most of these conversations have an emotional backbone to them?
0: If they don't, they're not going to resonate with anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think anyone wants to sit down with their financial advisor or any other advisor and go through a, a time value of money equation. Right. You know the, the math to me is is by far less important than determining what you know m- how much money you you have. You know they say he with the most he who dies with the most toys wins. Mm. I don't think so. I think he who dies right. with the most toys still dies. Right. Um, you're you're probably better off figuring out what it can do for you and what yeah. it can do for others and and your philanthropy and your legacy and your purpose and, uh, and and making a difference not only for your family but for your community. There's so many different ways to use your own success to empower others rather than to, to die with a big account balance. Who cares?
1: So getting this story out there, getting your yeah. message out there to end clients, how did you decide that, was there a pivotal moment you said, Oh, I'm going to do this podcast. Was there some kind of moment that, that made you make that decision?
0: There was. I, I went to a, a conference, a FinCon conference in 2017. Uh, and the, the premise of the FinCon conference is that that's where money and media meet. And I thought, well, we're all authorities by virtue of our designations and all the alphabet soup. We're authorities. We know what we're talking about. But unless you can get others to act, you're not an influencer. So how do you become an influencer? Right. So I went to FinCon. I truly had no idea what I was doing there. I mean, there were like 3,000 people there and they were speaking a language that wasn't mine. And they were talking about everything from specs on microphones to monetization to all these things. But it was the warmest community. And I met... A bunch of different vendors there and folks who were able to to help me. And I decided not to start a podcast, but to guest on them because, um, it is much easier. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, it's much easier to gain some exposure to an audience if there's already a built-in audience. So I know that Castro Out Loud is going to be all over the place. So it's good for me to guest on this show because tens of thousands of people will hear every episode. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. Yes, maybe a hundred thousand. Um, so but my, more my, likely my, <laughs> so, so, so my my point is if if you guest on shows, mm-hmm. then yeah. you can determine. so I did that, and i I signed a a, a contract with a company called Interview Connections uh, out of Providence, Rhode Island. They were amazing, and they got me twenty guest spots on twenty different podcasts. That's and awesome. I learned the difference between a host who really knew what he or she was doing and one who didn't. Yep. someone prepared versus someone who was winging it. And I learned how to do this, and then I decided it was time to do my own podcast, and I used that same group uh, at Interview Connections to determine, to put my one sheet out, and to determine what the audience that I wanted, and to find guests. So they they helped me find guests. I'm interviewing incredible people. You know, Gene Chatsky from the MB, NBC Today show reached out to me and said, I'd like to be a guest on your show, and I, I thought I was being punked. That was awesome. um, but it did happen. And she's an amazing, amazing human. And I just interviewed the the one of the faculty members who created the RICP program at American College. Just a brilliant guy. And that show will be live in a, in a couple of weeks. And it's just amazing the people who are now reaching out to me. And it's much easier to get chosen to be on various podcasts if you have your own podcast. Because, I,
1: mm. how did you figure out the content? Like yeah. what what's resonating with the listeners out there, the end investor?
0: I, I think what what happens is, first of all, you determine how many people listen to the show and and how many subscribe and how many what kind of feedback you're getting. But for me, the the podcast, I, I had to make sure I didn't quit my day job. Yeah. Mm. And so I tell a lot of financial advisors, who want to do this. I said, you are not a podcaster. You're a financial advisor with a podcast. And there's a really important difference. So I'm not a podcaster for a living. I have a producers who we've hired, who handle everything for us. We built a small studio and it was very inexpensive to create. And so now uh, I can know that there are guests lined up. I can research them a little bit. I can show up, I can do the show, and then I can get on with my day as a financial advisor. It's not mm-hmm. consuming me right. such that it's taking us away from the, from the business. So, and some of the shows that I was on went viral. And so what happens is on any of these shows, you have to have a call to action. Yes. You must have a call to action, and it must be simple. Mm-hmm. And it's not enough to say, go to our website for more information right. Boring. No one's doing that. <laughs> so what we did, uh, um, I, I published an ebook and it was on four strategies where people could pay less taxes because who doesn't want that? And I put it out and I made it free and I created a website for it that was easy to remember. So that when I guessed it on podcasts, instead of them trying to remember my name, even I said, if you go to lowtaxbook.com, you can download this information. It's free and so forth. And that would put folks into our drip messaging. So it got them into constant contact and all of that. I was on a show called Bigger Pockets Money, which is an amazing show. And it's primarily for real estate investors, but they wanted to talk taxes. And so the hosts had me on and it was both a audio and video. So it was on YouTube and it went viral. Tens of thousands of people heard it. I had more than a thousand people download our ebook in a week.
2: Because you gave them a valuable piece of content that could help them. And you weren't asking them to meet with you, to call you. You were giving them something valuable. Then they were added to your drip campaign. So they're going to continue to get valuable information from you. Correct. Which then eventually the goal is that they become a lead into your practice.
0: Well, and and a lot of them have. I mean, we we, we now... Historically, in our business, it's been this whole idea that you have to be referral only, and that referrals are the very best way to get business. And yet, for those of us old enough to remember the training we received early in our careers, which for me was in the early nineties, it was literally asking somebody to pull out their address book and tell me who are the people I can call and annoy. Like <laughs> the I, I, rotary like, phone. Who wants that? So, so now I, I can I can freely say that podcasting has become a greater source of new business for our firm than referrals and that's not to say we're not referable and that we're not getting introductions and of course we are and that's wonderful but this reaches so many people i mean i I got calls from people as far away as china who were expats who had things to 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 talk about about maybe coming back to the states and and can Mm -hmm. we talk and my little youtube video made it around the world i love the
1: trackability of the digital marketing though so you have that simple call to action Mm -hmm. lowtaxbook.com And now you can see when people are hitting your website. You can remarket to them you know, yep. with cookies. You, you've got you know the how many people, what they're doing, where they are, and you're and you're just continually building that pipeline, and it's all trackable compared to traditional uh, media, right? It, it, doesn't, like even, television. it doesn't even compare. yeah, you
2: can't oh. really track that you know to the yeah. minute degree that you can. Well, um, not not, not only done. that,
0: not only that, but people don't act on what they see on television or radio. Right. Uh, I've been doing Sunday morning news on NBC in Baltimore for six years. Um, Once a month I'm on the news and I do the financial report and it's a three minute segment and it's seen by everybody. I'm recognized at bagel shops around town. Like, Hey, you're that guy. (laughs) I've never gotten a client from that experience. Not one in six years because people don't, pick up the phone and call based on that. In fact, the ones who do are saddled with debt and think we're going to pay it off for them somehow. Um, so, uh, so so wow. television, it, it, it's great for your local market. It's great. It, 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 it has opened some interesting doors and people are fascinated by it, but it didn't move the needle professionally. Mm. And radio is worse because radio, you can't take a call to action while you're driving. And radio shows, when they're gone, they're gone.
2: They don't live on in perpetuity.
0: Like He's a podcast, still, I still get get calls from people who 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 heard me on a podcast or who heard one of our episodes that was nine months ago. It's still as if it's brand new. If you're on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, you know all the various all the various sources. You, you can binge listen, and for people yep. who have commutes, what could be easier than finding somebody you really like and binge listening?
2: Yeah, this actually reminds me of something because you're saying I I started off doing guests. Spots. And I think that's a really great thing to bring up, Um, a a great point because we have built out an infographic at Kestra that we're able to put in front of financial advisors. Mm -hmm. And this infographic um, drills down uh, the here's the podcast at the highest level. And this doesn't matter whether you're a guest on a podcast or you host your own, because the way you can actually use the content from that podcast is the same, whether you're a guest or you have your own podcast. So, so I think it's a great place to start if you're intimidated by having to, who am I going to guest? Who am I going to have on? What am I going to say? What do? You did like a trial and error almost. Hey, I'm going to be a guest and I'm learning what hosts are doing this, what's working, what's not. And you're able to take that and then you're able to create a blog post out of the podcast content. You're able to create an infographic or a one-pager that becomes more valuable information that you can put in front of clients who are, let's say, in your drip campaign like you're using. So we have that asset available for financial advisors. So it's actually a guide, a path that they can follow that is very similar to what you did. You went out there and did it on your own, and now we have valuable information that can help other advisors follow in those footsteps.
0: Guesting is an incredible, incredibly easy way to spread a message and mm-hmm. it's very inexpensive. Right. Um, and you can pitch yourself um, if you have the, the time or the staff to do it, or you can hire folks to help you do that. I, I, that's something I hired professionals. And, and what happens is I get a, a list of here's 20 shows we think we may want to pitch you on which ones do you think are good fits or not. And the success rate of them being able to get me a guest spot has been incredibly high. And we pay for only the the successful guestings. So you sign up for one a month or two a month or four a month or whatever you want to do. And, it, it you know, it's not like you're paying like you used to pay for certain marketing campaigns that go to 10,000 people in the hopes of getting two calls. Right. Um, this is you're paying as you go, but but it's it's for successful shows. And then what happens is you build this incredible media reel mm-hmm. out of the ether And now you become a more attractive guest because you can say I've been on these various shows. And so, you know, Reuters had me up to times square to do a a televised interview, which was very cool. And it's because of some of the things that they had seen on, on uh, television and podcasting. You know, I, I I was on Mary Lou Henner's show, which is for those of us old enough to remember taxi, that's what we talked about on the show mostly actually. But, but it was just kind of a cool thing to have people reach out to you and they have different audiences.
1: That's fantastic.
2: So, you have built out your podcast. You're, you're still doing these guest spots, but you are hosting your own podcast. For the listeners out there, what would you say was the most important thing or the biggest challenge that you had along the way? And maybe that in part of wisdom can help somebody else not make that same mistake.
0: Uh, you asked a two-part question that has two different answers. One is what's the most Ooh. important piece and one is what is the biggest challenge? Okay. The most important piece is authenticity. Mm. You must be yourself. Don't fake it. People will see through it. You have to be yourself. You have to be human. You have to be relatable. And you're just having a conversation. The fact that someone might be listening to it in China is uh, an added bonus, but you're just having a (laughs) conversation. So from that standpoint, the most important thing is, is to truly be yourself and not to try and put on some kind of airs that you're you know, we're not trying to be the next, uh, you know, the next celebrity. This is not about celebrity. So that's, that's first in terms of the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge I think is trying to make sure that the, the content that you put out and that the guests that you put out, if you're going to host it yourself, make sure you've, you've really read up on your guests. Yeah. And, and it, it, because if, if you're speaking to a best selling author, you don't necessarily have to have read his or her book, but you sure better be familiar with it. You better get the Cliff Notes version or something and have a sense. And so you ask for their one sheet and they'll they'll give you a handful of questions that they'd like to be asked so that you can tee them up. It's really important that you allow your guest to tell people how to reach them and to and to put in your show notes their um their relatability and how to reach them, because then they'll blast that out to their audience. So my guests have larger audiences than my show. So it's not even how many downloads of the show there are that matter. It's how many shares of the show once it's live. If 400 people listen to my show, but one of the guests has a a Twitter profile with 20,000 people on it, my show just went much bigger than the folks who actually caught it on Apple Podcasts. So I think you have to, the, the challenging thing is making sure that you, as a host, know enough about your guests to help them shine so that they can be great. And then they'll share it.
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: So if an advisor is thinking of launching their podcast, mm-hmm. what, what kind of time commitment should they be expecting to invest into? It's a pretty big endeavor, but what, what, would you, what what's your advice to those advisors?
0: Uh, well, guesting, first and foremost, mm-hmm. there is no time commitment. If you have yeah. somebody who does this, you're, you're, if you do two shows a month, you're going to spend an hour or two a month doing an interview and that's it. If you want to host your own show, it is helpful to have some of the equipment that you need. It's not expensive. It's okay. it, I think it cost us $600 for everything we needed. It was not a big deal. Yeah. But you will need to determine what's going to happen with the production of the show. The time-consuming piece of this is not the recording of the interview or even finding the guest. It's making the show great and polishing it and 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 then publishing it and doing all that. I would no sooner do that for myself than I'd give myself a root canal. <laughs> so we have a producer in Tampa that does an amazing job with us. They built a website for the show and they make sure the show hits all of these, uh, all the various sound stripes and all the things that yeah. I know nothing about. And I don't need to, yeah. it's really okay. So I would say your time commitment can be small. Mine is two uh, for, for the show that I host, it's two hours a month, two hours a month. And that's two episodes yeah. uh, we have. And we record them both on the same day. Yeah. So we have the producer, we do a nine thirty and a ten thirty recording on a Friday once a month. And that's the next month's worth of shows. It's two Thursdays coming out. So it's not a time commitment if you hire some people to help. If you have to if you have to produce the show and you have to cut the audio and remove the ums and ahs and all the things that that, you know, or somebody sneezes in the middle of the episode or they're they're on their home phone in the episode and the dog barks and you gotta cut it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these things happen and yeah. some of it's okay because it's human. Yeah. And some of it's unprofessional and you, sure. you sort of wanna work around that. So if you have a lot of that a producer, a production company can, again, relatively inexpensively make it sound professional.
2: So you would say it is well worth the money to hire the people or contract individuals like a producer Mm -hmm. to do those types of processes for you so that you can focus on being a financial advisor and your guest spots,
0: worth it, it. I do not want to be a podcaster. I do not want to be a producer. I definitely don't want to be an editor and I don't want to understand any of the technology around it. I want to be a financial advisor and I want to become more of an influencer to go with the authority. And I think in order to be an influencer, you need to have a media message. And that does mean audio podcasting or video YouTube. It does mean a blog and and regular content. And it does mean having social media presence and all those things. But for, for me, I wanted to outsource virtually all of that. I'm not a designer. I'm not a I'm not an IT person and I'm not a podcaster. I'm a financial advisor who wants to get a message out. And to me, the, the ROI has not only been positive, it's been off the charts. Yeah. So it's paid for itself. Now, some people may not have that experience immediately. And there's a tendency, and you know, we talked about this a little bit offline. There's a tendency to think, hey, it didn't work in the first two months. I right. quit. Right. You, you can't quit. So for now, the don't retire graduate piece of this is becoming a brand. Uh, I'm publishing a book in June by the same title. Um, which is then going to lead itself to a workbook and an online course and an online community. And we've got very, very big plans to try and get this message to as many people as possible. But it, it all started from a from going to FinCon when I didn't know what a podcast was, literally three years ago.
1: And this whole journey that you've gone through, what, what I love is that you've actually launched a business where you can teach advisors mm-hmm on how to build a, a better business. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So I, I started Brotman Consulting Group to help other financial advisors figure out how to become influencers because through trial and error, I've taken my lumps and I think I can help folks not take quite as many. <laughs> uh, and that's usually a good thing. Learn from other yeah, people's mistakes.
2: Absolutely. You know,
0: and and it's not that is not to suggest right. that I have it all figured out and then I'm making no mistakes. I reserve the right to make all new mistakes <laughs> and make them grandly. I'm just going to try not to make the same ones again. So, uh, yes, I started a consulting practice, and we have a, a website at BrotmanConsultingGroup.com that talks about the various services. Some of them are on site. Some of them are related to to teams and cultures. Some of them are related to to being an influencer and podcasting and publishing. And, you know, I now have resources for all of those various things and a and a platform to to meet more of them. So uh, I think for advisors who want to do this, They can either poke around a conference hall or they can work with a consultant who knows what to do and can get them in front of the right vendors and and just take care of it. So um, it really comes down to the individual.
2: So only 8% of financial advisors are doing podcasts today.
0: 8%. 8%.
2: Um, What would you say to any advisors that are just afraid to start into this medium?
0: I would say the 92% of folks who aren't either Hosting a podcast or using podcasts were the same 92% who didn't have a website or didn't have email or didn't Ah. use LinkedIn. Or I think there, there, there's early adopters. Right. And the podcast space is not new. This is not, we're not early adopters. There's a million shows. And so this is not an early adopter. This is not a unproven thing. This is something that definitely works. It's just a matter of having a message and being unique and being authentic. That's why we have editors <laughs> because of explosions in the hallway. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. You can either edit that out or we can have fun with it. I don't know. Whatever you want to do.
2: going to need a new one of those, whatever it was.
1: <laughs> that's, that's. Well, the can't... funny thing, it was actually the sign that says quiet. Pl- we're recording. Oh, Someone knocked it to No way. Yeah, oh, a- my gosh. That's <laughs> well, funny. <laughs> uh, you know, I
0: thought I thought this was I thought this was not a liquid lunch, but apparently uh, you know, whatever's happening there happened.
2: So we want to ask you a quick uh, personal question uh, okay. as the way we wrap up the show. So what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: Well, I was going to play professional football.
2: I hope you decided by the age of seven. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I I was going to. I was going to play for the Baltimore Colts, which created lots of interesting problems. A, I was small, but I made up for it by being slow. Uh, (laughs) I love it. And B, the Baltimore Colts don't exist anymore, and so I couldn't have done that even if I wanted to. So, professional football was out relatively quickly. I I actually did some aptitude testing at a, a place called Johnson O'Connor Research Center. And there's they're all over the country and they do aptitude testing that is like a two-day battery of things oh. that point you in the direction of where your career not only what you might be successful doing, but what you might love doing. Mm. And I, I love this story because the they they, they, they grade you from one to a hundred on every single thing you can think of. And one of them is tweezer dexterity. What? So for <laughs> surgeons and such, you oh, know. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we're
2: like, can uh, you define those words, please?
0: Do you have fine motor skills, Austin? Come on. Um,
2: Austin Sanders,
0: no. Out of a hundred, mine was a five. I couldn't even play the game Operation without the funny bone, you know, so I knew I wasn't going into surgery. The sight of blood made me want to pass out. I wasn't going into medicine, Uh, but it pointed me in the direction of either business or law and specifically in finance. So I went to college and like all great financial advisors was an English major and a psychology (laughs) minor, um, but I learned communication. I went to work for a a brokerage firm in the legal department on my way to law school and I fell in love with the brokerage business and never went to law school. So some of it was an accident, but the pro football thing, I think it's probably over now.
2: (laughs) You could bring back the team. You could resurrect.
0: I I could, I could, I would love to. That was a great part of our, of our town's history. So.
2: Maybe if we do uh, a follow up podcast in a few years, you just never know what's going to happen. I, it's going to be a movie about Eric Robin well, <laughs> resurrecting
0: the colds. Here's the here's the problem. Who who would, who would play you in a movie about your life?
2: Uh, Scarlett Johansson.
0: Okay, excellent choice. And, and how about how about you, my friend? Probably Jet Lee. Uh, excellent choice. See, for me, it would be Hugh Grant. And so, if, you, if you understand, and, and some of that is just because of my own awkwardness and my lack of shyness.
2: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Love so that. Hugh Grant's
0: going to play me and I hope I do it soon before he gets much much older.
2: <laughs> Cuz then we're going to have to find a new life.
0: I'm going to need I'm going to need well Brad Pitt was taken.
2: <laughs> Love it. We yeah. really appreciate you coming on the show today, Eric. Oh,
0: this was fun. This was a lot of fun.
2: We look forward to having you again.
0: I hope so. Let's do it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. My pleasure.